All right, and we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter as always. Uh, my name is Nick from P2W Fantasy, and I am with my co-host Steffi Smalls on another Thursday here. Script two ships talking about a bunch of different fantasy topics uh, that I'm always excited for. So as always, to start off, uh, Steffi, no shades on, so it looks like your eye issue is okay. You have the you have the Nets jersey on just to give you some some shit, even though they're down. I got the, the I got the the Bucks one on. It's not going too good for them, but uh, yeah, what's what's been up? What's been up? You guys are still the favorite somehow. Vegas still somehow has you as the favorite, so it's fine. Uh, I don't know how how the Bucks win tonight, but that's okay. I'm excited for the game. Everything's good. My eye is better. You know, I went uh, to the doctor and said I had to do shows. I'm like, I need a steroid on top of it to get rid of the redness because I looked crazy for a couple of days. I was like, oh, God, pushing things back. It was a nightmare. Um, but everything else is good. I feel like things are, you know, we're getting closer to the season, which is so exciting. I can't wait. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the fact that we're getting like, I feel like we're getting a lot of news at once, which for some people is overwhelming, but I think it's good just to have something to talk about because we go through yeah. these periods where we don't hear too much and then everybody's having hot takes and conspiracy theories and all these other things. So it's nice to have some NFL news to talk about today and we got some, some good topics. So um, as always, this podcast is uh, part of the fantasy points media group. Uh, check out fantasypoints.com. Uh, again, I say it every week. One-stop shop for everything you are looking for, articles, DFS, best ball, um, rankings. They have advanced stats. So, again, I'm on there probably every day jotting down notes and getting getting ideas for things. So, uh, if you check that out, fantasypoints.com slash subscribe, promo code 21WIN10. All right, so Steffi and I have some – NFL news to go over. And again, like I said, it's really nice to actually have some things to talk about. So we'll we'll start with that after we uh, go through some general topics. And then we have a little topic at the end talking about some potential uh, top 10 guys that just don't get the respect they deserve. So um, if you are tuning in now, uh, stay with us. And we're, we're amped up here for a good show as always. And I'm playing the wrong video. So early, early uh, comment here. I like that flag from my wife. So I, I did. I up, uh, well upgraded <laughs> the background early Father's Day gift that I was actually not supposed to find, but I did find. And I also have my rookie fever going on. Got the the Justin Fields and the 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 Kyle Pitts jerseys back here. Steffi, it sounds like you have a new addition that you just won, and it was there was there was no conspiracy about it. It was actually completely random. What what happened? What happened? What'd you get? I won a signed Penn State Saquon jersey. I am so excited. I actually don't even have his Giants jersey, so this is very exciting because I probably got super into college football when he was playing. Uh, so, you know, and my ex-boyfriend was a Penn State fan, so I watched a lot of Penn State games, so I was always a big Saquon fan, so I was very happy that year. So I'm very, very excited to add that to my collection there, and shout out to 14 Personnel for that. Absolutely. I mean, what what better of a thing for a show that Steffi is on to have a New, uh, a New York Giant phenom with his college team, so that is awesome. We have some people in the comments 
Uh, this tune needs to be the, on the next Madden. I think that's the, uh, the opening it. rap. I, I like that. Hype song is always so dope from Jordan. Uh, sick flag from Ain't Done Yet, Jacob Dunn, my guy there. Um, kind of disappointed Calvin's taken down. I'll have to figure some stuff out. Um, so for, first topic, so I figure we start off with some general things. Steffi, I, I have a quick video just to kind of open up what I'm what I'm trying to get at here. So we'll just watch this. I think it's like less than a minute. Um, and then I'll let you answer the question I'm going to propose. But it's a pretty general question, but some people um, might have to address this this offseason. So here it goes. This was me a year ago. I was taking fantasy football way too serious. I was harassing my league mates for trades on a daily basis. Every loss I took personal. I was in way too many fantasy leagues. And this is me now. I still do all that shit. It's just a year later. Gang, gang. All right. So what I was getting at is, uh, I mean, just a joke, obviously. But a lot of people have some fantasy flaws, right? I mean, things that uh, maybe maybe we um, do on a yearly basis that don't always work out for us. So I guess just on an opening general topic here, do, do you, Steffi, have a, a bad habit or a flaw when it comes to being a fantasy player? Yes. So I resonate a lot with the being in too many leagues. And I think I'm going to uh, bite myself in the butt here this upcoming season because, you know, this is my first season really in fantasy football. I didn't start out till October last year. So I kept joining leagues, joining leagues. It's so hard to say no. Best ball is kind of fixing, uh, you know, that urge to draft that we all get. But Today, I finally realized something that, you know, plagues me every season at some point um, is going, you know, zero QB. I love it. It's my thing. I'm all about it. I get down with it. But I realized you can't zero QB until we're closer to the season because then you end up like me, who now has Locke and Bridgewater, which would have which would have been fine at you some point. Zero QB. Oh my God, look, I'm trying to like repost it and it's popping up. <laughs> um, but like so, I- It's like Inception right there. I was, I was like, like, oh, what is going on? I thought it was echoing. But so, which would have been fine because normally what I'll do is everyone knows I'm a tight end hoarder. So I'll leverage someone. Like I put Kittle on the trade block today. I could have put Waller, I have Pitts and I have, you know, I have John. I have every tight end you can imagine has on my team. So I usually use them as leverage there. So. But I I would have been okay. But then we also have this problem where if Aaron Rodgers is to go there, now I have zero quarterbacks. So I'm in a sticky – this is also my crappiest roster. It's horrible. I I must have been drinking plenty of claws when I did this. I I don't know what I was doing. It doesn't even look like my draft other than the tight ends. But So I'm cool with zero QB, but I have to be a little bit smarter about it and not, you know, either wait until closer to the season – or I need to, you know, take a quarterback a little bit sooner than that. Hey, I mean, I'm getting, I'm laughing at some of the comments in the, oh. the chat here, but all good points. My flaw is assuming people I play with are smart. That's tough. And and then John saying starting up too many leagues, um, but good, good points all around there uh, with, with things that I can kind of relate to. I, I know, I mean, you just joined the league and now you're flying out to Chicago. So I, I'm on the same boat, not flying out anywhere, but joining <laughs> too many leagues. I think that's a thing. And then sticking to some strategy that might, might work out well, or it might not, but uh, I, I definitely can relate. Um, one, one thing, one thing I think I struggle with sometimes is trying to make too many moves all the time instead of being patient. I think like the minute a guy has a bad week or two, 
I'm trying to off offload him in a trade package and, and upgrade a position. I, I think I don't sit back sometimes and just like let things develop and play the schedule. You looked at guys last season like David Montgomery, who was great at the end of the season, but like okay in the beginning. I struggle with just like chilling all the time. I think every week I'm like hitting people up for trade. So that's something that comes to mind mind for me. I, I don't know if you're a big trader or if you are, you know, constantly hitting up people or what, what your yeah. kind of strategy is with that. I usually let trades come to me. And I think something that I could also do is be like open-minded when you get trades. Cause sometimes I'll see something and I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like that that's crazy. And then, uh, you know, I'll send it to someone else and be like, can you believe? And they'll be like, that's like a great trade. What are you talking about? So it's yeah, easy yeah. to get like worked up because you feel like you got someone at like a really good value and you're like, that's all they want. Um, yeah, so yeah. I have to be a little bit more open-minded, but the problem is a lot of the people that I play in leagues with now, you know, they follow me on Twitter. They know I'm a Giants fan. So I keep getting these crappy trade offers and they're like, trying to send me Galladay and like nothing for like half my roster. Like I'm not that big of a Giants fan that I'm going to give you like whatever you want for uh, half my, you know, so that's part of my problem right now. And now I'm just any single time uh, that someone offers me a Giants player now, I'm just declining because I have to get rid of the rep at this point And I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> Speaking of Giants player, and then we'll move on. But uh, I, you know, I wrote a piece yesterday about some some guys that might have some value still in redraft that are going low. And I always liked Sterling Shepard, and uh, that's a, that's a Giants guy. But people recently have tried to kind of like play that in trade offers at times. And, and I looked at your trade, and and people are sending you Galladay and something. I forgot it was something small to get like Kittle because they're playing people that you know. They, they've heard you talk about her or yeah, that you like. I'm not even I, that high on Galladay and fantasy. Just you're using my fandom against. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's two different things. That's two different things. I mean, I, I like the Bears, but I'm not like, you know, off hauling things to get um, Allen Robinson. Even though I mean, he's a great player, but it's you know, I, it's two different things at times. But um, yeah. Speaking of that, so I, I we're all active. Uh, not all of us, but I know you're super active on Twitter. I'm, you know, as active as possible as well. And every day there's different thoughts. Um, a lot of bickering lately about different things like that. Uh, people are mm -hmm. dropping content. You just see so much talk about football when it comes to Twitter. Does that, does Twitter influence your, your fantasy outlook on things? I know some people are to a T and say, absolutely not. I don't care what I see on Twitter. I'm sticking to what I know. Some people are on the total opposite end and they'll say, I saw this tweet got 60 likes saying that this player is better than this player and screenshot it and send it to another player for a trade. So like, where, where's, where's your outlook on, on your influence from Twitter? I, so this only this year, which obviously makes sense. This is my first year on Twitter. And I have noticed a little bit that like, sometimes I'll be more likely to do something because it's like, I sent in a group chat and everyone thought, and then I always feel guilty. So it's like, I'd rather go with my gut. It always works. It always has worked. Go with your gut. And there's a lot of like, you know, I don't even know what the right word is. If people start chatting and then it's like, oh, today we're all dropping Dobbins. We're selling Dobbins and we're going to go get Gus because so-and-so uh, Schefter said he's signing a contract and that's it. So it's like it's, some of this stuff is a little ridiculous. You know, even with coach talk, we talked about this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Um, coaches are going to talk about things right now, but then Twitter blows it out of proportion. It's like, Always. uh, this coach turned his head this way and now you should definitely drop Ridley. Like that's, so there's like some stuff just gets out of control. So it's better not to, but it's obviously hard, especially when you 
you know, you have to find certain people that you trust. And then I, yes. I kind of go off them. And then still, if I, you know what, get your guys. Like if you feel strongly about someone, go get your guys. Cause it makes fantasy more fun too. Like don't, I want my rosters to be filled with the guys I believe in. Absolutely. And uh, I like the point about finding people you trust. And even there's going to be times when, when the people you trust, you feel like far off from what they're saying. But um, for, for, for me, you know, I, I mean, we see takes on almost every tweet. There's been times where I see like a thread and it makes me think more. And maybe from there I can like shift, you know, my thought process. Uh, that's happened sometimes. But then you see a lot of like, you know, buy this guy or this guy should be ranked here and, and things like that. And I feel like the lack of substance for me is not swaying my opinion. So I guess me as a fantasy consumer, if I'm seeing things that have a good backing, even if I don't agree with it necessarily, it's nice to like get, get an idea of how people are thinking about things. And, and it can be, you know, influencing, but I feel like at times there's just like a lack of support for things. So I'm not buying it and then others are not. So it's like this weird mix on, on Twitter specifically. Yeah. I think it's good to make you like start thinking, but not necessarily like automatically believing something. Like for example, Dave Kluge kind of got me onto Sutton who I've been like not really high on. And I think part of that was that, you know, there's all this hype around him from like the Sutton clan, you know, like there's these groups of people that are very high on one player. So I started looking at his film and stuff. And now I'm more likely, like if he falls to be at an appropriate place, I will probably take Sutton. Whereas in the past, yeah. I probably would not have. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally get that as well. I, I think there's players I can list off too, where I had like no interest in, like mm -hmm. we mentioned Chanel before I, I had zero interest in Chanel yeah. before, but the more I see like, not just coach speak, but guys actually supporting the facts and saying, look, look at this in college, look mm -hmm. at this, you know, when he got the ball, things like that. I do want to shout out tons of guys in the comments. Got uh, David Mendy, one of my uh, great friends, a lot of people popping in here. I uh, saw Troy, Troy in there, uh, Bo, talking about the jerseys. So I, I love people in the in the podcast. Even my guy, George James Thompson, who is actually from Scotland. That's one of my college teammates. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's All right. So, so that, that's awesome. I, I didn't expect that. All right. Uh, so NFL news. We got enough news to talk about. So I, I feel mm -hmm. like we have great topics, Steffi, all the time, but I feel like I'm just like sitting at the whiteboard and just thinking of shit to talk right. about because there's nothing yeah. going on. So we got some stuff. So the first topic, and I know we've all talked about it enough, but it's nice for me and you to get together and talk about it. But uh, here's the graphic. This team is looking good now. Julio Jones, the Titans absorbed 15.3 million cap um, after Ryan Tannehill agreed to reconstruct his contract. So now we're looking at a team that has A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and Julio Jones. So a lot of people, and we talk about, uh, Twitter takes and things like that. A lot of people use that that graph. The you know it's going up mm -hmm. or it's going down for all these different people. Yeah. <laughs> um, my question to you: So AJ Brown, wide receiver, twelve and fourteen games this past season. Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry was a top three running back. We're looking at Julio in this system now. You know, and last year not a great year, but twenty nineteen wide receiver three, twenty eighteen wide receiver four, twenty seventeen wide receiver seven, and we can keep going back because he's been in the league for a while. Let's focus on Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. So my question to you, uh, Steffi, is this a massive boost for him? Does that shape, you know, how you rank Ryan Tannehill? What's, what's your thoughts on the QB now? So I've always been high on Tannehill. I think that Tannehill, and I've been saying it, is like a total cheat code. Like he is someone that until now has always fallen way past, has always been very consistent uh, when it comes to fantasy week by week. 
And I think that no matter what, there's no way that this hurts him. They're just going to air the ball out more, right? So what? who this also benefits, and I know this is a little bit, it's not about Tannehill, but I thought about this while I was looking at the show sheet, is Derrick Henry actually benefits a lot from this. He benefits because, if everyone remembers, right before this trade happened, there was a lot of chatter about Derrick Henry not being able to produce the way he has, uh, what's his longevity, but like bringing on Julio... Uh, you're able to just give the two of them some more targets, let Derrick Henry uh, not get used and abused, let him be productive in the targets that he gets. But at the at the end of the day, you know, I think he's being drafted at like QB 14. That might have been before this happened. Um, and I mean, come on. It, you're not going to name 13 quarterbacks I'm taking before Tannehill. There's no chance that that happens. So I think that no matter what, this is like fantastic for him, you know, and he's consistent too. last season uh, was at third in the league in touchdown percentage the year before second in the league. Uh, he, he was uh, 19 and a half points per game and then 20 and a half points or maybe it was 21 and a half points per game. Like we're talking about a guy that's just fantastic, very consistent, is a, a good quarter, a quality quarterback that you don't need to worry about. And that, like, he reminds me almost like, I mean, Matt Ryan's very consistent too, but it's kind of that-esque a little bit where it's like, you know what you're getting, and then you just give him another weapon. Come on. I, I like the points about Derrick Henry because I, I feel like, you know, the the focus was on, like, guys like A.J. Brown and Calvin Ridley. What does it do? And what, what does it do for, you know, Matt Ryan and the other system? But Derrick Henry, I mean, now defenses have to be even more honest with how they approach – you know, stacking boxes and things like that. I mean, AJ Brown was elite, but at the same time, now now you got more guys to make plays. Um, Ryan Tannehill specifically tied for number two for touchdown percentage per passing attempt this past season. Sixth best QBR. He had the third most fantasy points in the red zone, which is a stat that I'm very interested in because with Julio and AJ Brown and and Derrick Henry in the backfield, I mean, this team could be extremely dangerous in the red zone specifically. I, I guess. I'm with you, Steffi, because I've been I've liked Tannehill. I just mm-hmm. I just wonder where where am I putting him top ten? I'm and I'm not asking for for yours specifically. I think it might just change for me. Him being, I mean, he was QB seven last season. Maybe now he's still in that range. I mean, we got guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. But after that, I mean, I, I think we can really kind of argue for a lot of these guys that are in that mix. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm going to put him as like my QB three in 2020. Um, do, do you have any idea where he's floating around? Is he still kind of around where he finished last season? I mean, I think that he'll – I mean, he's easily going to finish better than he did. I think that uh, – and this is something we've talked about in the past too. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay to have a bunch of players from the same team if you're looking at a productive offense. This is going to be a productive offense. Um, I mean, like, I worry about their defense a little bit, and I think that'll be what, what hinders them. But, like, there's no reason that Tannehill can't finish, you know, higher than he has in the past. I moved him up in my rankings after the Julio thing because I think it's just – across the board better for the entire team. And I think that you're going to just see better numbers. It's it's almost better for Tannehill versus the, the three of them. So those targets could go however. Uh, I think Derrick Henry also still has a very productive season because of what I was saying. But I think Tannehill, no matter what, is going to benefit, you know, just going to air the crap out of the ball. <laughs> Absolutely. And the big benefit with uh, having Derrick Henry in the backfield is that play action is on all day. So now when you got Julio and A.J. Brown mm-hmm. trucking down the field, I mean, this guy, this guy's ceiling just elevated. So, um, I, yeah, I think he's super interesting. I, I think it's you're not going to downgrade him at all, obviously. But at the same time, it's tough, I think, when you make these rankings now 
where am I putting him? Because it's a right. major upgrade for this offense. So yeah. um, 30, 33 touchdowns last year and you add Julio Jones, good. right? And and the nice thing is the same way with Derrick Henry that we talk about his age and his productivity, you know, you bring on someone else, you take the pressure off, which allows that player, uh, you know, and people forget about this a lot in fantasy, allows that player to do better. If, if You don't need as many targets if you're being productive when you do get the ball. You know, it's very much like the Saquon Barkley stuff. Absolutely. I, I like that quote right there. We might have to clip that one later. Um, <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Derrick Henry talk in this, so we'll stay in the same mm-hmm. positional um, focus here. Let's shift to another piece of news. And this one is involving some Baltimore Ravens. So we got in this picture right here, we got Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins. The most recent news is that Edwards has a two year extension. Uh, a lot of people freaking out about this a little bit. Um, we can talk about if they, they should be or not, but uh, two games in the 14s for fantasy points. He had one in the 18 range. Um, he actually outcarried J.K. Dobbins this past season, 144 to 134. But at the same note, we saw what Dobbins did at the end of the season. Um, RB10 weeks 13 through 17, he had seven total touchdowns. He had one in every game the last six. Mm-hmm. Receptions are kind of icy for both of them. But uh, J.K. Dobbins, just talking about him, pace the league in yards per carry plus yards after contact. So I see a lot of up and down. You know, uh, Gus Edwards is in the system for two more years. This is not good. He had more carries last season. Other people will say J.K. Dobbins proved that he's the running back one. I guess my question for you, and I've seen a lot of different opinions on this, should we be shifting J.K. Dobbins in our dynasty rankings or our dynasty outlooks due to Gus Edwards being back. Does that change things in Dynasty for you, Steffi? I don't know. You know, so I thought about this for a little bit. I think, you know, and I also was never very high on Gus Edwards. I think that Dobbins' ceiling is much higher there. Um, And I know I don't like to talk about uh, coach talk, but the OC did say, you know, he's going to be using a running group by committee, uh, which is fine. We also don't know exactly how Bateman's going to fit into this, how, you know, I think it's easier to see the outlook on this team than some other ones that brought on all these players. But I think I came down to the conclusion that this is where I'm at. So if uh, I'm drafting right now, I'm not going to be chasing him at his current ADP because there's going to be guys still available like CEH, Chris Carson, even David Montgomery, like that I would consider um, probably before him. Like I'm taking Chris Carson, I think, but I still think, you know, he's like six yards uh, per carry. He had a fantastic year and I think that he still should do well. But we have to see how Lamar does with the passing. Is it going to change the rushing? Um, but so we shall see. But I think when I came down to like, I'm just not chasing him where he is right now. Yeah, I, I think I think it'd be kind of silly for us not to expect that they'd, you know, have a couple guys rushing the ball, including Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that if people right now after they extended Gus Edwards completely shifted their thoughts on J.K. Dobbins, I feel like. Maybe you weren't really that high in him before. And I'm just talking about generally speaking for the people that have uh, freaked out about it. My, my, my thing is, you know, will, will he be a top – does he have the ceiling to be a top 10 running back? I, it's going to be tough, but is the offense good? Absolutely. Does the offense run the ball a lot? Absolutely. Will they be in scoring positions? Absolutely. This past season, was he good in the red zone? Was he good scoring touchdown? Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not saying he will be a top 10 guy, but I, I, I am saying that I think 
Gus Edwards is a good running back. I think the offense is just very good. So I think if there were other guys in Gus Edwards' shoes, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think that they would also be successful in the system. And seeing what Dobbins did the last handful of weeks, again, he was a top mm-hmm. 10 back, 13 through 17. I'm, I'm not going to like write the guy off, but I'm yeah. with you, Steffi. I think it just depends. Where is he going in the draft? Where, where is he going? Is he going to yeah. go super high or are people writing him off right now? Right. And I have a ton of him. Like I was so high because at the end of the day, you know, there's still, you can show me the numbers all you want. There's still concerns with Lamar and the way he throws the ball, the way he's passing. So I think, uh, should we, those doubters be correct? We're going to see them just rushing the crap out of the ball. And then maybe that, you know, it won't matter because the two of them can both equally take on some work but again never a huge fan of Gus I'd rather take my risk probably on Dobbins because I think towards the end of the season he showed that uh you know that ceiling there but again you know I'm taking Chris Carson if he's sitting there you know he's getting taken a little too high for my liking right now yeah and I I wonder over over the next month you know after this news drops if his ADP does does shift just because Mm -hmm. of this and if it does then I'm with you like if it slips then I'm, then I'm a fan of taking Dobbins, even in redraft. But if, if it stays to where it started in the offseason, then I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. I think this was a tough uh, topic, to be honest. It seems simple for some people, but I literally have saw everybody one way or the other. Right. And I, I kind of like that because it would be boring if we all liked the right. same guys and talked about the same stuff. So And you have uh, to good. have depth, too. Like, for them to sign him again, it's not like – we. sometimes the fantasy community acts like this doesn't happen all the time. Um, some things could, he could continue to do as well as he was doing at the end of the season. It's not like, don't start fading him because of this. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we, we won't get too deep into this, but now there's news that Todd Gurley might be, uh, uh, visiting with the Ravens. I forgot that I actually have this on the sheet. So maybe we can just save that at the end here. Um, you mentioned this early, earlier, Steffi, uh, two quarterbacks, so maybe the real answer to who who wins this job is Aaron Rodgers. I I don't know, but let's let's just say let's just say let's avoid that um, right now and just say that it's between these two guys right here in the picture, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. So it, it's it's so weird to me when I'm thinking about who can win this job and who should win this job because I feel like these guys are like complete opposites. Teddy Bridgewater this past season, number five in completion percentage. He's like a super safe quarter quarterback. I mean, it's a lot of short routed stuff. But on the flip side, Drew Locke, he he's he was number two in the average depth of his throws when he was playing this past season. So this is a guy that has the upside to go deep, but struggles with completion. And then Teddy is the opposite. He's got the completion percentage, but I don't know if there's really a lot of upside to to really sling the ball down the field. So it's weird. They're like almost polar opposites, these two. My my question to you. Who's, who's winning this job? So forget about any Aaron Rodgers rumors in there. Who's winning this job? Yeah, and I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. I'm leaning closer to him either not playing or playing with the Packers. Like, I think that's where we're at. I don't think he's going anywhere else. And the dude looks happy as crap. If you haven't seen him, like, he could not care less. I've, I've Singing never, songs and stuff. I've never seen this guy smile more. And he's, you know, our entire lives almost have, have been graced with Aaron Rodgers. Like, it wouldn't be shocking now if he's like, nah, peace out, I'm done. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because before I probably would lean towards Teddy. I think Teddy is there to be a security blanket a little bit. And I think, you know, then again, he, we might see this 
two quarterback tango that we've seen before, like we did in Miami. Uh, is Teddy gonna come and save the day when he needs to? But I just realized that how uh, Drew Locke has only played 18 games. That's not a lot. That's not, not, not a lot. That's not enough to evaluate talent, period. And and that it is what it is, right? Like a lot of times we we write off these, he could easily walk into this and and be better. Is that going to happen? Because I think there is a little bit more of a doubt if you're bringing in someone like Teddy, you're kind of showing uh, we don't fully believe in you there. So I always wonder how that hinders a uh, player's performance. Uh, but I think it's really a toss up at this point. Teddy's the safer option. You know what you're getting with Teddy. It's pretty straightforward. I think Teddy last year did better points per game than he did. Uh, yeah, 16.1. Uh, Drew was like 13 and a half, which he did do like two years in a row. But granted, the first year is only five games. So do we really know what he is capable of? I don't know. I, I don't know that we fully have seen him. I'm not like... It's super, I'm not putting my money on him by any means. I think he's one of, you know, all these questionable quarterbacks. He's probably the one I'm the least confident in. But then again, mm -hmm. 18 games, that's not a lot of football. No, it, it's not. It's not. And I, and I know some people feel like, you know, he's gotten every every chance in, in the world. But at the same at the same note, now he's got a guy who can be competent in the system. I, I have an analogy. I, I'm a big analogy guy all the time. So uh, I was in college. I played like Division two soccer, right? And uh, we had a transfer transfer student. So similar to this whole situation, I'm not making things up for the sake of a podcast. But I played I played in the back. I played defense, and uh, we were a good Division two team. And the transfer student that was coming in played the same position as me. So. Mm -hmm. Me being a guy that had a role in that system the season prior, I had this new guy that that wanted the job and probably can get the job done. So everything that I did, I was hyper-focused of being better and like doing my job well mm -hmm. and progressing more than I probably had before because I didn't really have that competition. And I feel like this this might be the same for the Broncos. I feel like they might give the kid the keys, and if the kid crashes the car – the veteran's going to come in and take the job. Uh, yeah. I feel like if you did it the opposite way, and I'm not saying that's what should happen, because I think Teddy might be might be better for fantasy for like mm -hmm. some of the guys in the system. I, I don't know. But I think it's if it's the opposite, you give Teddy the keys and then you give it back to the one who was already in the system. I feel like he feels like plan, you know, plan B in the system. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if you say to Drew Locke, who's a young quarterback, like, hey, it's got to be better. And if it's not, the new guys come in. I feel like it's a bit, there's a big mental aspect to it yeah. for both quarterbacks. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, Teddy, he's another one. Like I'm a big fan of Teddy, a big fan of uh, Cam Newton. I think both of the guys kind of got the short stick when it came, when they entered the league. I think that maybe their potential got uh, stunted a little bit there. And I think I'd probably prefer to see Teddy, but then again, can we really evaluate this young guy? Is this going to be what he needs to really step it up. I think regardless, so if they both kind of stink, I think we're looking at them looking another direction. I think that uh, the two of them will probably go on to be more of backup candidates for a little bit. <laughs> and you know what? I respect the Broncos a lot because <laughs> if it wasn't for them, the jersey behind me on the wall would not be a Chicago Bear. If they decided to take a corner, corner they decided to take a cornerback instead of Justin Fields. So power to them and whatever they do, but they invested in one of these two guys. So yeah. um, we, we, uh, we don't talk a ton about injuries, but I know Steffi, you, you mm -hmm. are somebody that 
almost specializes in that at, mm-hmm. at times. And um, I know it's not part of your like daily routine on, on your other shows and things like that, but you are very good when it comes to looking at some injuries and, and impacts like that. Um, so a big, big question comes around Antonio Gibson. So this guy, this past season, RB 13 in 2020, it was crazy because in college he had 33 carries, but in the NFL, he had 4.7 yards per carry on 170 carries. So he like smoked his college stats in terms of getting the ball. He had games like 22.8, 22.5, 36.6. Those were some of his high fantasy weeks. Um, but on the flip side, he missed two games in December with turf toe. He came out recently and said in a quote, it was something small that was causing me not to be able to run a hundred percent. So I guess he's still rehabbing a bit from this turf toe. And I know that it's something that can linger at times. Um, is this to you something that would worry you about Antonio Gibson? I don't know if it, you know, would worry you in a redraft first dynasty or what the case is, but that's, that was kind of my thinking, but what, what do you think about that? So it's very interesting because, and by the way, I'm starting an injury tracker on FTN. That's a secret between all of us. Hey, um, hey. Yeah. So I just started You won't say a lot or anything like that. I started tracking it. It's only because it's live. I'll just tell you guys. Um, but, you know, I thought that Antonio Gibson was going to need surgery last season. I was convinced. I was the only one that wasn't buying his rehab. His injury looked really bad. It was very classic for a severe case of it on the film. I wasn't bought in. It was one of my best calls. I told everyone to take him out. He wasn't going to be super productive. That week he came back. He scored like eight points. Um, so here's my thing with Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think for a redraft, I'm staying clear. I think it's an easy way. You're looking at frustration. Um, there's obviously something that's nagging. Turf toe is very nagging. I mean, like it, it's it's something that is going to bother him if it's not rehabbed appropriately. So is it concerning that it's popping up again? Yeah, I'm a little concerned because I thought we were we were done with it. Um, so I think for redraft, I'm staying away. Dynasty, I don't really care, right? Like you can put him on your bench. If for some reason week eight he comes out, they decide he needs surgery, uh, then you're fine. Um, but keep in mind, and this is something that I think a lot of people forget about, is turf toe, only 12.8% of cases end up needing surgery. So it's very, very minimal, right? Um, and it usually takes a while to, for them to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. So just remember, Patrick Mahomes, they decided within days that he needed surgery. I'm very interested to see Patrick Mahomes come back because you don't normally need surgery on turf toe. So I always th- I always bring that up because it's so funny. Everyone's panicking about Gibson, but no one, no one faded Mahomes, right? So just remember, keep it in mind. It's not a big deal. But for redraft, I don't want the headache, you know. I had uh, – last year I had – Jones, um, Dak, Saquon, Kittle, Galladay, all on the same team. I don't want to deal with it this year. Ouch. So redraft, I'm, I'm out on that. You know, that's an easy headache to avoid. There's other other running backs to take. It was funny because as I was like finishing off my my ramble and I said the note, I'm like, I don't know if there's a redraft versus dynasty outlook and you you yeah. smiled. So I, I knew you were going to um, get at something with that. So I, I, I might be on the same boat. I'm not going to say I'm not advocating do not draft Antonio Gibson. I'm I mean, not. If he falls, I'm going to take him, but he's not going to sure. be the first guy I go for. Yeah, sure. A- absolutely. I, I'm just saying I, I might be with you. I dealt with some injuries for some guys in my leagues uh, this past season that were frustrating. I had CMC in a lot of leagues. I had Eckler in, in leagues, even though he came back. Um, there was plenty of guys that had injuries. And I'm just saying, so again, 
evaluate these things as a fantasy player as as you will. There's going to be reports that come out that say, say he's good. There's going to be reports that come out that say he mispracticed today. Evaluate it yourself. But for me personally, redraft. I'm with Steffi a little bit here. I think redraft, unless he falls, I, I, I might hesitate to grab him. But in Dynasty, I'm fine. You're fine. Yeah, if you're, you're in a Dynasty league, I'm not – trying to off-haul him because of an injury right now when he could be great for seven years yeah. or whatever and the case redraft, is. Like a redraft headache is much more serious than a dynasty headache. Uh, you know, like you don't want to get stuck with a guy like Gurley that you're never going to get rid of. You know, like get, he will have a good career, whether he, whatever happens with his toe is going to be fine. But, you know, in redraft, especially if you do play dynasty and you play both is like, I want to be able to go into redraft, get, just set my lineup. It should be easy, quick, done. And like, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hear you on that. Um, same team. Let's stick on the same team. So. There was some some pictures that came out. There had a uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick with a clipboard saying, you know, Terry and Curtis or whatever the case was are my friends, and they had all these players holding these clipboards um, or, or post or whatever whatever you call. It. I, I don't know, like the like elementary kids do for their first day of school. Um, I want to shout out up uh, Aaron Lee Kid at East Coast Kid. He made me a nice one. Uh, a lot of people were photoshopping these, so I got. Ryan oh, that's awesome. See, that's yeah. not corny. That's cool. No, see, that's cool. I, I was kind of with you because I, I, I saw your tweet and you're like, ah, these are kind of getting, but this guy, he made it for me, Aaron. That's and so I was like, cool. damn, this shit is awesome. I, I was like, going to so make awesome. it something. Yeah. So, um, very cool. Following I wish you just this, used Washington colors too. That's why it was so weird to me. It's like they were using yeah, yeah. green and purple and pink. I'm like, at least use the colors. Now you're just being making it corny. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. So following following this uh, reenactment of like elementary kids on their first day, a lot of people, Twitter was up in flames with Terry McLaurin. So Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 20 in 2020, wide receiver 29 in 2019. Uh, this past season, five weeks of 10 plus targets, four games over 20 points. So the big thing, you know, people will say is he has like Allen Robbins, Allen Robbins syndrome, whatever you want to want to say. Allen Robbins issues throughout his um, career, McLaurin has had. He had uh, Smith, Haskins, Allen, Keenum, all these different guys throwing him the ball, but he seems to do well in fantasy. But some people have him super high. Some people have him super low. My question to you, seeing all these takes, do you think as a you know community, are we too high on Terry McLaurin? I don't know that we're too high. I'm probably, it's crazy because I, you know, I think he is my uh, wide receiver 12 for Dynasty. Um, and apparently that's like really low, which I think is kind of dramatic. Uh, I think, you know, had they went and drafted a young guy that was going to be their franchise quarterback, I might have had him at 10 or, 11, you know, I might have moved him up a little bit. But my concern is more with, you know, with Fitz, I, I'm not bought in. I don't care what hit the, you know, all the stats. He finished quarterback one. This I don't care. Um, like he has not played enough uh, consistent four quarter games for me to be totally bought in. He's 38 years old. He has to play some really hard defenses this year. Um, I think there is a little upside to maybe Gibson's injury for McLaurin, which we don't wish on him, obviously. But there's still, you know, there's Curtis Samuel. Why can't Curtis Samuel end up being uh, the main guy over there? So I think there's a lot of factors into it. But by all means, I, I think uh, wide receiver 12, I understand it. 
putting him out like a little bit higher than wide receiver 10 is a little too much for me. I'm just not confident in the quarterback. I can't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, I uh I might have I might I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I might have had him around like 10 for redraft though. Redraft. I might have had him like there. But I think people you know, they see what Fitz has done in the past. And like you were saying, he had like X amount of QB one weeks. And, you know, Devontae Parker was wide, wide receiver 11 in 2019. And some people say, well, you know, Terry's better than him. And, you know, this offense is better. And he finally has a competent quarterback. But at the same time, I, I mean, I don't know if I can put him like at five or something like that, because I feel like there's so much competition for the position that I, I think that I, I am more bought into guys that I've seen the volume with their quarterback. I mean, a guy, I'm, I'm not comparing him to like Diggs. This is just a one-off example, but I saw last year, Allen with Diggs. I saw mm-hmm. last year, Kyler with DeAndre Hopkins. Like I can go down that list and say, Hey, mm-hmm. I, I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, Terry McLaurin is extremely good. All right. I'm Very nobody's good. not saying that. But we've, we've never seen him, you know, he didn't have a Justin Jefferson season where he finished top 10. Um, and, and this, like, this is a great comic because I literally was about to spit this out. Oh, yeah. The Washington defense is really good. So they, they, don't, they, don't, have, they don't have to throw the ball 80 times a game. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting. And, and it goes back, Steffi, to the, the topic at the beginning of the episode where I said, does, does, does Twitter, you know, influence you? And, and I've seen tons of takes on Terry is top five. Terry is – you know, wide receiver 15, things like that. But I think it just depends on what are, what are your supporting facts that make him what you feel like he can be. Yeah. And I have him all over the place. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and act like I don't. And like, I just am not, you know, I've seen him uh, be very much reached for. I'm not taking him over guys that are proven. And I think it's okay to be like, oh, I'm going to take a high ceiling guy, you know, like C.D. Lamb. Like I, But that's a little bit more proven to me than this scenario because he was able to perform at such a high level without Dak who was on pace to, for like 6,700 yards, which I hate that. I hate the on pace term, but still, you know, I need to see what he does with, fit. I don't know. I don't trust Fitz. It might, it's my gut calling that I think that's going to end poorly. I just am not a fan of it. And I have I Fitz over too. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think I do too, just because like in startups, he's, he falls and he can be relevant, you know, this year, but for dynasty, you want to know what, what, what the hell is going to go on in that organization after Fitz is gone too. So he, he's interesting. I think he's a little bit polarizing, uh, Terry McLaurin, just because you're either like super into it or you're just like, okay about it. But I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of both of those things. Um, real quick, before we move on to our last like topic here, Todd, Todd Gurley, um, this is years ago posing dude looks jacked. The knees probably don't support the biceps and the shoulders, but um, is there is there like a place you'd like to see him go? It's it's so weird because all the places we don't want him to go, he's having meetings with. He's gonna like go meet with the Lions and the Swift Truthers, like like Nick are like, why the hell is this the thing? And then and then Dobbins might be affected. He's gonna go visit the Ravens, you know, sometime soon. Do you do you think there's a spot that makes sense? I feel like I can list off like six spots, but he's not going to any of them. It's weird. I don't think it matters. That's why I tweeted this morning. Like you guys are freaking out over a guy that is riddled with arthritis in bilateral knees. His BMI, like 
the only thing, like there's few things he could have done to help himself. One is to lower his BMI. He's too big of a dude for that to happen. He literally, there's no way that he ever becomes relevant again. Like I really feel strongly about that. And it's a shame because he's a fantastic player. And I want, I would love for Gurley to have a comeback season. I just don't think we're, I don't think that's happening. So uh, this is another one of those, you know, Twitter things. Everyone gets all nervous. Like you weren't nervous about Gurley Ten days ago, now you're suddenly. We thought Gurley wasn't even going to play at some point. So I think getting nervous about Gurley is like it's actually one of the most ridiculous things I think that's happened this off season. Like I really don't care. I don't think it matters. I think he's like he's an okay like backup to what catch a couple like get a couple yards for you. He's not going to be you know this power like target eating machine. <laughs> so I forgot who it was, and you almost kind of like came to the same point right there. Somebody commented earlier, because I like listed off a bunch of places that might be able to use him. Yeah. Somebody said something along the lines of, stop worrying about the RB1 in systems if Gurley goes there. Worry about your investment in the the second running back in yeah. that system. And I think that's a good point. I, I think we we worry about, you know, DeAndre Swift and then J.K. Dobbins. In, in, in a hypothetical world, world for those two situations, there might be an, you know, a cap to the ceiling just because if he snipes these guys on touchdowns, but I think it just like would wipe away Jamal Williams and it would just like wipe away maybe Gus Edwards. I'm not saying it would, but I think we should be more concerned with the the next back in the system. If we have investment in them in fantasy, because you know, if they're a streamer because they get touches in a weird, I mean, let, this is not going to happen, but the saints Latavius Murray, he can have like flex value at times, he wouldn't if Todd Gurley was there. I mean, I think we just need to worry about the second yeah. running back in the system. Absolutely. And I never really worry about the second running back, but that's actually a great point. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, don't be like, don't worry about the running back. Todd Gurley could never like he physically can't be that anymore. It's just like physically not going to happen. Um, may he somehow turn a corner and uh, be the RB2 on a team for a couple weeks. Yeah, I just don't, you know, it's poor Todd Gurley because, you know, his uh, I feel like there was such a bright outlook for him. But unfortunately, the body doesn't do well with that many surgeries. LA Chargers would be interesting. I mean, there there definitely are some spots that he can compliment somebody. Maybe maybe somebody like a Eckler is a good pass catcher, things like that. But yeah, I think his his fantasy ceiling will be will be limited, obviously, and it'll be super dependent, just like last season, on scoring a touchdown or like having one big play and a score, like things like that. But good good points all around. Um, last topic, and maybe we can just get get through a guy or two um, for it, but. I feel like we talk about the same guys that can be top 10 players for a position over and over again. I mean, we talk a lot about, talk a lot about Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. And, um, you know, you go to the wide receiver position, you talk about Devonta Adams and, uh, Stefan Diggs, DK Metcalf, all these guys. But yeah. I think there's guys that have a true potential to be top 10 backs or sorry, top 10 positional players that don't get the hype that they should. Um, I I'll start this one off and, I mean, you might tell me at the I'm end. I'm going to ask you to start it off. Oh, yeah. You, 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 oh, might, you, you might tell me at the end. And you can just give me any player. We don't have to go through every every okay. uh, position because we're, we're limited yeah. here on time. Yeah. So I talked about this the other day. And some people might say, oh, he's obvious. But I feel like all of the news that has happened in the organization between the quarterback might not be back and the second 
second uh, back in the system, has huge quads, and Devonta Adams is super good. I, I just gave it away. Him. Yeah, so I I got I threw this graphic out there the other day. I'll leave it on the screen here for a second. But Aaron Jones is a guy that I still am confident in regardless of what happens at the QB position, because I think he's so talented and I think he does not get enough credit. So not at uh, all. Our RB two 2019 RB five 2020. He was fourth in rushing yards, ninth in RB targets this past season. Uh, he actually outscored his touches. So if you look at the fantasy points versus how many times he touched the ball, he had more fantasy points than touches, which is a weird thing that I look at all the time. Uh, Thars, uh, Thars, thousand yard back to back season plus, he also had 60-plus receptions back-to-back -back seasons. Top 10 in fantasy points in the red zone this past season. He had that 45.6 fantasy week. He also had a 24.8, a 23.8. This guy can do everything. And when you look at a running back and what you want out of a running back, I know some people like A.J. Dillon, and some people are worried about Aaron Rodgers, and some people say Devontae Adams is the focus in the red zone and things like that. But Aaron Jones, the last two seasons, he does everything. He runs the ball great. He catches the ball great. He finds the end zone. I mean, he scores great in fantasy, and nobody talks about this guy. And it kind of sucks as a Bears fan to talk about a Packer, but I have to give all the respect to Aaron Jones. I don't know if he's a guy you feel the same about, Steffi. Am I off? What, what do you no, think? I agree. He would have been the running back that I thought of automatically. I think that there's no reason that this guy – you know, and there was a tweet the other day. There's like three guys, you know, two guys. So I won't be a homer on this. Like two guys that really come to mind when I think about guys that are not given enough credit. And Aaron Jones and Adam Thielen. Like the two of them, I just feel like year after year, they show up, they produce. Um, and, you know, they keep their head down. They're very humble too. Like, uh, but for some reason, everyone ignores them. Like there's so much talent there and so much ceiling there even i think aaron jones actually would benefit like if rogers were not to come back i think that there is a high chance that we see him getting even more targets i think they'd switch a little bit more uh to on the ground than using the air because i i just don't know how much jordan love is really going to be able to produce if that's the case um but i absolutely agree there's there's no reason that aaron jones can't step into that question i he's pretty high in my, like he's not high in my, I mean, he's like in the top 10 like he might be yeah. rb6 maybe rb i forget I, I might have him around the same range, to be honest. But I think yeah. that, like, for some guys in different systems, the focus, like, it's so skewed that we forget about these guys. And and I promise you, I see in drafts all the time. Um, I'm not, like, in a draft every day. But I see people mm -hmm. kind of passing them because we talk about everybody else but Aaron Jones. And mm -hmm. and I think he's a guy that I, I'm, I have no shares of. So, you know, I, I have this argument with my brother all the time because I tell him he only talks about – people he rosters. So I, I try to like look outside my own roster, but I want more Aaron Jones. Yeah. And I, so I'll go to the next one too. Cause yeah. I think yeah. this is another guy that for some reason, and I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know how, how else to spell this out. CD lamb is a good football player. Like, uh, he good was at football. To, like really good at football and he was good at football with like, um, um, like so many different quarterbacks at one point. Um, and you know, you look at Dak Prescott, you bring him back in. I mean, CD finished as wide receiver 25 last year without 
Dak Prescott his rookie year. Um, Dak Prescott would have thrown, you know, again, this on pace, which I think is dramatic. Wasn't going to be six. They wasn't going to be 6,700 yards. Right. But again, 5,000 yard season for sure. Um, but I think he could very much do that again. And where does everyone think the targets are going to go? Um, I think that Dak didn't get a chance with his new toy as much. And I think that we see CD really, and he's a problem for, for secondaries as well. So I think CD lamb, if he finished in the top 10, wouldn't shock me one bit because the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys offense is fast They're They have many weapons. As long as that O-line can pull it together, they have guys coming back. There's a 0%, like it would not be shocking if he did that. I completely agree. And I think that, you know, we, we kind of forget about what guys have done with their quarterbacks. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say this is an example, but I'm not going to say Tyler Boyd was not affected by Jamar Chase, but I look at what did he do with his quarterback before his quarterback got hurt, and he was very good. On the flip side with CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper was wide receiver eight during the first five weeks that Dak Prescott played, but CeeDee Lamb is a rookie, as a rookie wide receiver 11. I mean, this is right out the gate. Justin Jefferson I'm not comparing the two, but he didn't like start the season like crazy on fire. He he had his big games here and there throughout the season. But uh, C.D. Lamb right away, weeks one through five, wide receiver 11 with Dak Prescott. And if you were to tell me right now that that's not going to be a thing this next season and they're going to spread mm-hmm. the ball out to Gallup and Blake Jarwin, I think you're foolish, man. I I, I really do. I really do. I think Amari Cooper and, and C.D. Lamb are – going to excel like crazy with Dak Prescott, who's going to want to come back like um, like on fire and, and things like that. Uh, do, do you do you have Lamb above Cooper, or do you not really know where you have oh, those two? Lamb is above Cooper. I, I'm pretty high on Lamb. You know, Lamb and Jefferson, I both are, you know, they're setting the stage for them to have a very good season. I'm a little bit higher on Lamb just because of the quarterback, but again, like both of these guys are – Guys, I think it's – I don't – I actually am unaware of why they're getting knocked. Uh, I think both of them showed so much progression throughout the season too. They can only – you know, you get an off – people forget we didn't have training camp and stuff. Like there's so much more to it that's going into this season. I, I completely agree with that uh, as well. And I think that, you know, I came out with uh, some like top 15 wide receiver redraft rankings and I had Cooper in it and somebody commented something about Lamb and I just – it like stuck with me and I'm like, man – I wonder, like, could this guy be the wide receiver one in that system? And even if he's not the wide receiver one, could both of those guys be top 15, top 20? I think there's a true possibility because we saw last season Dak Prescott throwing the ball nonstop, nonstop. And even if the defense added, you know, Parsons and some other pieces, I still think this offense is going to sling the rock and be very explosive. So I love the point about C.D. Lamb. I'm 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 a guy, again, I don't have a ton of CD lamb, and I, I really wish I did. Yeah, I agree. I, like, just got – I just traded for him, actually. I, I think he's going to do phenomenal, you know. You can't yeah. you can't hate on what Dak is capable of. So we just have to see Dak come back. And I think by week three, we're going to see normal Dak fully back to what he's doing. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how CD affects the other targets to the other players. Absolutely, absolutely. So to wrap things up, I got a last question. It has nothing to do with football. What's the prediction tonight? So we got we got I'm Nets. So we got mad. You guys are beating oh. us. Hey, oh, our, 17, I mean, seven. I'm freaking out. I see. I when my my home teams are kind of out of it, 
I find weird ways to have some fandom of other teams. So the easiest thing for me is, is to go to my closet and find out what, which jersey I have at times. So I, I got a couple of Giannis jerseys. So yeah. um, if uh, the, Net, the Nets are such a good team with, with how many guys and how yeah. much star power they have. But I think it's I got so funny. I texted my friend. Actually, he's the producer of uh, like at FTN. And I texted yeah. him. I'm like, I have a bad feeling. I knew it. I knew it today. I was like, I have a bad feeling about this game. That's why I didn't. I was careful with my betting tonight. <laughs> they, they, they might have to like they might extend the series a little bit for television views. If you ever see those like yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings commercials, they might yeah. have like weird things happen with the net or something. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great show. As always, Steffi, uh, to close things out. Two things, two things. Again, where can we find you and what you do? And then anything else you want to plug that's coming up for you? Yeah, so you guys can find me at Stephanie Smalls with three L's. Small talk came out yesterday. Uh, finally, my show Off Topic is going to be coming out. Had a couple of delays on that. Very excited about it. Um, ha- going to have next week two episodes. One is the long snapper from Florida. We got to chat on the phone yesterday. Nice. Uh, roommates with Trask, buddies with the you know pits and uh, and Tony and stuff. So he's a lot of really good insight. Very excited to have him on the show. Um, so look forward to that. And then I'll keep the other guests a secret. But of course, the show is like the best. It's so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And always appreciate uh, just talking about things that, that happen throughout the week and, and preparing people for redraft, dynasty, whatever the case is. Script two ships. We're trying to help people win some championships and uh, and have some fun at the same time. So thank everybody. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in, whether it was live or um, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, enjoy the, the rest of your week, and uh, we are super close to the weekend, so um, enjoy that as well. So 